0: Greetings. Welcome to season two, episode three of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey and experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. This podcast is built on three principles. The first one is the vision to have people see themselves and their world through the lens of legacy design and building. The second, the mission. To introduce people into the world of design and have them emerge as storytellers. And finally, the purpose. There is a perpetual need for leadership that calls us to edify others through enduring relationships. For this episode, I interviewed Sabrina Burhani. She is the original proprietor of the Typharet coffee shop chain in Sacramento. This is part of the entrepreneurial series Uh, The first interview I did was with Oma Rastami, who's the proprietor for Live Options for Seniors. That was episode 25, uh, season one. I love the entrepreneurs for their narratives. They are storytellers. They are storytellers about overcoming challenges. They're storytellers about people who are brave enough and have the courage to face new challenges, especially when it stretches them. And they're entrepreneurs if there you often hear that uh, phrase that one year of being an entrepreneur equals 10 years of working for someone else. Amazing compression of time and in terms of the acceleration and the steepness of the learning curve. So we'll go ahead we'll go ahead and we'll listen to Sabrina tell us her story as an entrepreneur. Well, I'm very pleased to have, a dear friend as a guest on the podcast, uh Sabrina Burhani. Thank you for coming on. Thank Sabrina's, you for having me here. Sabrina's got an impressive resume. Where do we begin? <laughs> Entrepreneur, uh, wife, mother, world traveler, coffee shop owner, uh, real estate agent. The list just goes on. But anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome to the legacy drawing board.
1: Thank you. That sounds so impressive, if, if it weren't just me. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> for those for those of you in Sacramento that, that know about Tiferet <laughs> Coffee, the chain, the three uh, stores that you had, can you go ahead and describe how you and your sister, uh, Makita, came about forming this company?
1: You know, it's a pretty unconventional story um, without going back 20 years, but just mentioning it my sister wrote a um business plan for a coffee shop about 20 years ago in college and we always said how fun would it be for two sisters to have a coffee shop in retirement fast forward to 2014 and i'm in real estate with a um, commercial client and there's this ice cream shop in esac that keeps popping up for sale and i called my sister and said hey you know what do you think about?" this making this a coffee shop because I live in the neighborhood and there's no coffee shop and we couldn't afford it at the time what they were asking. Um, but I believe that if you want something and it keeps presenting itself that you move forward. So the third time it presented itself on my search, I called her and said, all right, it's presented three times. What do we do? And she said, well, why don't you call? And so I did. And they had dropped the price 30, 50% that day. So we saw it, and she said, "Write an offer." and we wrote an offer and and then we got it <laughs> and And then, um, six months later, we opened up our first coffee shop. It was just two people who had an idea, put their best foot forward and started it. So instead of having our coffee shops as sisters during our retirement, it actually became part of our career story.
0: So many people want have a dream. So many people want uh-huh. to do something. Yet many times they find a reason not to do it. Sure. How did did you have that? And if you did, how did you overcome that?
1: I did. Matter of fact, my sister was supposed to say, that's a really silly idea. Don't do that. And she didn't. (laughs) Um, So when we actually had this shop and she told me to write the offer, there was a, a few days span in there and we decided what our worst case scenario was. So our worst case scenario was that we had this small loan and that we had put a little bit of money into remodel, but we were very cautious as to how much we spent because we didn't have a lot of money and that I would work the entire first year because in a small business, the only thing that you can really control is your labor cost. So I was the labor for a whole year. She lived in D.C. She sent me money and shoes and food and all kinds of stuff and kept kept me going until we made enough money for her to move out here for our second year of business. So we our, our evaluation of worst case scenario was that we would sell it with the doors open. If we couldn't do the business, we knew that there was a coffee shop somewhere in Sacramento that could do the business. So as long as we were able to sell this business with doors open, which has more value than selling it with doors closed, we would be able to recoup our costs. So we might've lost a little bit of money a lot of time and maybe a little self-confidence but other than that we were able to live with that decision more than saying what if we didn't do that and then we see a coffee shop there which i know that's what's going to happen and so i said it, if we don't do it somebody's going to do it and so that's how we push through and and we actually carry that through life everything we do is a worst case scenario and if we can live with that then we move forward
0: very interesting how you frame that because there was a possibility that it may not work out yet mm-hmm. for you, the, it appears that the benefits of this working out outweighed the potential of it not working out.
1: Correct. And, you know, even as a child, which got me in a lot of trouble, I always, I never wanted to know what if, so I did it. <laughs> Didn't work as a child. I was in trouble a lot. However, as an adult, it has also paid dividends.
0: Yeah. Now you now you're a coffee <laughs> yeah. shop, you're a coffee shop owner, entrepreneur. You start off with one shop and you wind mm-hmm. up with three. How did you expand your business?
1: Reputation. So what was really important to my sister and I was having a place that was inclusive. Um, hence the name Tefer it's a Hebrew word for glory but it's also in the Kabbalah uh, which we we don't practice the Kabbalah but we are raised Jewish women Um, it is the center of the tree of life where everything comes together and that was extremely important to us so we wanted this place within East Sacramento that it didn't matter what you did who you were what you look like that everybody it was a safe space so we created that and it caught on and it caught on quickly so, our first year there, somebody from City Hall came in and said, "Hey, we have an RFP, which is a request for proposal. Um we know you haven't heard of it because you're really new. We think you should submit." And my sister said, "Nope, I'm not doing it. I've been here for a month and a half." And I said, "Well, I've been here for a whole year, so we're doing it." <laughs> and we put in our request for proposal, and um I, I think there was a lot of factors uh, I don't want to go into as to why I think we got it. One of them was that, Though, is that we had a very good proposal. We hired somebody to do that for us professionally and we we got it and that became our second location. So now we had um, the corner of Alhambra and H and ESAC. And then we had a second location which was a kiosk inside city hall which means your tentacles are going far. You're meeting all the right people. Um, and we kept within city hall, that same, that same uh, inclusive feeling for all of our clients. Um, it didn't matter if you were on the fifth floor Um, You know, in the mayor's office, or if you were someone who was downstairs in the admin, everybody got the exact same treatment and everybody felt special when they came in and came out. Um, Leading us to the Mercy location, which is where I met you, and the owner of that location was friends with the building of um, our first location. And when he was looking to put a local business within um, the Mercy Plaza, our uh, landlord said, you need to come and speak to these women. So what we didn't know was that Administration and Mercy had been shopping us for six months as clients and customers, getting coffee. Had no idea who these people were. They were just new faces, and we were happy to see them. Um, and, and they had approached us again. It was by reputation. It was by the way that we made people feel. Um, so,
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you just mentioned a couple of times. You mentioned reputation. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset? Well, what was the intentionality when you say reputation?
1: Um, We wanted people to feel better when they left us than when they came in. So if you have a bad day, you leave us feeling good. We wanted to be known as the place that made your day better.
0: So that you, was important to us. So you are the non-alcoholic caffeinated bartender?
1: hundred <laughs> percent. And we kept all of the secrets close to us, but that was the idea. You know, um, if you came in, we knew about your family. Um, we knew that you were in school. We knew you were getting married. Um, we knew that you had your first baby and you brought him in to see us. You know, we we kept personal relationships with every single customer that wanted to have one. Um, and some people told us, hey, I was having a bad day. And I wanted to just come in here because it feels good. And they just get a cup of coffee and they would sit down and they would leave. And that was important to us because the world is a really hard place sometimes.
0: What, what lessons, or what was the learning curve for you, going from you know just a coffee shop, then going to a kiosk, then to a third location? What lessons, what lessons stuck, uh, really stick out for you during this process?
1: The ability to. I'm going to use the word, the ability to pivot. and I also have have listened to some of your podcasts and you did one about the ability to pivot. And that's really very important in, um, I think, in life, but very much so in business. So they were three very different business models. Um, Same product, but uh, the management of each of them was different. Um, The administration that we were dealing with within the locations was different. Um, The personality of the employee that had to be within that location changed we had a very different personality from somebody at the mercy location versus the one at city hall um h street my sister and i one of us was always there in the main one um, so we learned to be able to be um, adjustable uh, and the learning curve was huge because neither of us when we opened the first one had one worked in food two owned a business i barely made coffee at home like i was a pete's girl <laughs> So I, you know, we had to to learn that. And customers, fast forward six months or a year into our first location, said, "You know, your coffee wasn't really your coffee was good, but your drinks weren't good. But we liked you. We wanted to support you. So I knew I had good coffee. That was that we knew, but I didn't know really how to make a mocha. I wasn't good at steaming milk. You know, I didn't know my ratios. So." the first year there um, I taught myself coffee on YouTube literally <laughs> I taught myself coffee on YouTube and I would go and practice steaming milk until I knew how to train the people that hire you know I hired to steam milk um, People would say your mocha isn't chocolatey enough so I would note that. And I would find the ratio until I thought it was perfect. When people started saying, oh, that was really good. And that became our recipe. So it took us about six months to really put everything together. Um, but if I said, these are my recipes and that's just the way it is, and I wasn't able to listen to my customer base and, and change my perspective, we wouldn't have done well.
0: You or Tiferet has sponsored so many organizational events. Mm-hmm. I see you or your sister lugging those big um, metal canisters of coffees all the time. Yeah, Why was that important for you to connect with these civic or these volunteer organizations?
1: We decided at the very beginning that we weren't going to have a marketing budget. We weren't gonna pay for any print advertising. And we never in the, Tafaret has been open nine years now. We sold uh, one of them two years ago. So it's seven years. Um, but for a total of eight and a half years that we owned them we never once paid for print we decided that our money went better in the community so it didn't matter who called us if you wanted coffee at your event we were there bringing coffee if you needed a gift card you got a gift card if you needed bags for raffles you got raffles if you needed shirts or cups whatever you needed within the community was where we spent our time and our money so it was more face-to-face we were able to have conversations you could have our product and we were helping your organization so that was how we grew um, within the sacramento community it was literally one event at a time hands-on we did everything from um the lulu women women's day at arden mall Uh, We did tea for 400, multiple years at David Lubin. We did anything that um, Mercy General asked for. We did coffee at the libraries. We did all of the local schools nearby, all of the churches nearby. Everybody knew to come to us. Um, Faith organizations, you name it. If they sent us a letter, they received a gift card, coffee, um, brewed coffee, our services. That was the way that we, we marketed. So that's why it was important to us. We wanted to touch people.
0: Moving forward, you decide it's time to sell the business. Yeah. Uh, what went into that decision?
1: We always had a, uh, an exit plan. We knew that being in that kind of a business was going to be a lot of work. And um, my son was in college. My sister's daughter was going to be going through college. So we kind of had 10 years in our head, see what we could do in 10 years. And at that point, we would reevaluate. We would either sell it or we would continue our expansion within hospitals because we really liked that business model. Um, Fast forward, 2020 happens and we have the pandemic. So our shops are shut down and we had two months that we were closed. All of our shops were closed. Um, We paid all of our employees. Nobody ever left, uh, missed a paycheck. Um, And then we were able to put everybody on uh, unemployment. We were able to do that until we reopened two and a half months later. And we brought everybody back full time and said to them, if you, if you get another job, take it because we actually can't afford you. But during that time period, we also had a conversation about my sister. She had a daughter. um, They had come from DC, as I mentioned earlier, and um, they were starting homeschooling and she wasn't sure if she wanted to either live in California with mom to homeschool or dad, because they have great co-parenting relationship. And we decided that no child should have to make that decision. And um, September 2020, we sold her house and she moved back. So now I'm running the shops by myself. And that was never part of the plan. This was a family business. (laughs) Um, And all of a sudden I became a woman who was trying to keep her businesses open. Even though my sister was in the background, she wasn't there for um, uh, operations. And so, at that moment we knew that we were gonna prepare to sell our shops and our first one went to Natasha Natasha bought the eight Street location and um it's two years this we in 2023 so 2021 October she bought it and she was our manager of seven years um and then I worked the Mercy location as you saw by myself the whole time until we were able to sell that one to our curtain employee who was with us throughout that period so it was just um, the time was up for us. And we wanted to make sure that while the businesses were healthy, which we both also made sure that the sales were at a point that when it transferred over, the new owner would be able to make a living, not a great living, but a living um, during this transition coming out of COVID.
0: You and I talked about that. You were very intentional in what you wanted Mm -hmm. in a buyer. And we talk about legacy. We talk about Mm-hmm. You know, all the things that you and your sister put in, you talk about the, your blood, sweat, and tears.
1: Literally. <laughs> Literally, yes.
0: What What was on that list of criteria that a buyer had to meet in order for, the, for them to buy your business?
1: They had to be a woman. We wanted to make sure that we left... Um, We knew that the locations that we had were special within the Sacramento area. So City Hall never reopened. So we had East Sacramento on the corner of Alhambra and H. And we had Mercy General in 39th and um, J. And those are very special locations. And those are very hard spaces to get into. So um, we wanted to make sure that it it remained woman owned. That was extremely important to us. Um, We wanted to make sure that they were either uh in the lgbtq community um um from another country um or a single mother or somebody somebody who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to have a business in that area um and they had to have a personality that met with that current clientele but we kind of wanted somebody who looked like us we you know i our fathers from our parents are from another country um, we're women, we're minority, single moms, um, and we wanted to make sure that that legacy continued. That was very important to us.
0: Did you, pro- or how did you provide mentorship for these people that would be, you know, taking over as the uh, proprietors?
1: So every time we hired somebody, whether it be male or female, during our process as being owners, we would sit them down in their interview and say, Our job as employers is to make sure that you leave better than when you came, that you have more knowledge, that you have more skill, that you have more communication methods. Um, and so we kind of did that organically, making sure that we grew these people. Specifically, Natasha, um, the one who bought 8th Street and was our manager. We've been grooming her for a long time because we had already identified she was gonna be a purchaser. She just didn't know it. Uh, so we would have her do things, hey, Natasha, do me a favor. And um, can you just do the coffee order this week? We can't get to it. So we started delegating things to her, letting her see the back office and explaining things to her um, until she was ready to purchase. Same thing with um, Billy, who purchased our Mercy location. Um, With Billy, we were a little more forward about it. You know, we said, okay, this is what we would like to do. We would love for you to be able to be the, the buyer of this particular location. So let's Let's teach you everything. So things that employers would typically hide from their employees, back office, um, I we would see, BCC her on a lot of our emails. She could see the communication methods, how we dealt with, with administration, how we dealt with um, uh, online orders, how we dealt with customer requests. We let her see everything. We became 100% transparent and also allowed them both into our personal lives and how we were able to also find that work-life balance, which we were so awful at in the beginning. Sorry, my door shut. So that was important to us. So we became really transparent to them.
0: I had conversations with Billy and she said, had you came to me two, three years ago and said, two or three years from now, you're gonna be a part owner of a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. She would have said, what planet are you from? Right. And I think it's amazing that transformation or how you provided, again, that mentorship, that guidance for that. Uh, and again, I think that's part of your legacy. And you you, you stress time and time again, it's the reputation, the relationships, mm-hmm. and the relationships that you had with your employees that you felt comfortable enough to sell them and trust them with the legacy of the work that you and your sister put put forth.
1: You know, it was really important to us. Um, we found ourselves in a privileged position to be these young business owners. Like, if anybody ever said you're going to be a business owner, we would be like, <laughs> we would have been Billy. There was no way I would have. I would have bet my first. You know, anything that that was never going to happen. And then we just had. Um, I guess. Our mom said that we could do anything. She said, there's nothing that you can't do. And so we were kind of naive enough to think we can do this. And so we did. Um, So it was important for us to uh, pass pass that confidence along that there's nothing in this world you can't do if you don't just work hard at it.
0: It was important. Now that you're a former coffee shop owner, And now you're in real estate. Yes. How, but the legacy is that, you know, there's, there's a, for people, for legacies, there's, there's usually a very, uh, there's a common thread that runs through the things they do. So even though the, they might be living in a different place or maybe even doing a different job, you could tell there's something about them that carries them through that common denominator. What's the common denominator, common denominator has carried over from being a coffee shop owner now to being in real estate?
1: Communication. Communication and um, the like of people. We used to always say we sell coffee, but we're really in the business of communication. And I think that's what our coffee shops really were. It was a place to communicate. It was a place to storytell. It was a place to talk about your good days, talk about your bad days, Um, brag about your accomplishments because we were happy for you. And so was everybody else in there. and also being able to i'm going to use the word pivot again so in both of these things both of these careers i'm going to put in quotes both of these careers that um that i've had they require the ability to be able to look at a situation have an idea and then completely change the way i function because of outside circumstances um so but but i would really say communication
0: any words of wisdom To people in their 20s and 30s, as they're navigating through life, navigating through work, and you talk about work-life balance, Mm -hmm. any words of wisdom for these, for the younger generations? For work-life balance? Or just in general life, because I think that, you know, we've talked about work-life balance. Uh, I know that's used a lot. I like to think of work-life harmony, because- It's nice. It's it's difficult because we 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 think of, you know, I'm gonna put on my work hat, I'm gonna put on my uh, home hat. And as mm-hmm. if we as if we could uh partition that in some type of a ledger. You know, I'm gonna spend X mm-hmm. amount of time doing this. Mm-hmm. But I what people I th- want is really that harmony, that transition.
1: Mm-hmm. That you know,
0: you, you know how we always talk about don't bring your bad day back, you know, home and things like that. Well, the thing is that, you know, how do you, how does one really stop it right at the door? It, it's, it's difficult. And I think there should be a, this harmony that goes through that you should be able to express, I had a bad day at work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is who I am. And this is now, you know, part of my home life. But this is who I am. Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes is that we look, we try to have these um, divisions or we try to have these, again, partitions. And I like to stress to people, it's a harmony because you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's so stressful when you try to maintain, I won't say necessarily a facade, but a persona, you know, one setting versus the other setting, as opposed to no the legitimacy, as you talk about transparency, yeah, be who you are and be the best that you are
1: it, that you know that's a really good point. Um, we found that in the beginning, we were trying to, be the person that you wanted to come into the shop and see so it didn't matter you know mom had cancer and I'm not kidding my dog died like all things things happen and nobody would know but I would go home and I would be exhausted and I would be sad and then the next day I'd be happy again so I remember at the city hall location I had these two regulars came in every single morning and they were like Sabrina you're not smiling today and I said you know what I don't want to smile and they go why I go because I'm having a bad day and I'm claiming my bad day and they made fun of me. They were like, but you're always in a good mood. I said, I know. And I'm really tired of being in a good mood. What do you want to drink? And I got them their drinks, kind of like a, you know, soup Nazi kind of person, right? What do you want? (laughs) And they just laugh at me and I make their drinks and I give it to them. And then they just walked around and they each gave me a hug. And they're like, we're actually kind of happy to see that you're human. And that little interaction literally changed my entire day around. But what it told me was that it was okay to be human at work. Not to be not to take my anger out on somebody if I'm have if I'm angry, or not to be hurtful to somebody. But if I'm having a little bit of a day, that was okay because people were really able to relate to that, and they would still come in and they would honor that. um and it's also unhealthy <laughs> to to try and balance these two very different um, and I, I you know, it really is a facade sometimes, you know, um. So it's healthy to be able to balance being human um, within the workplace, but knowing that maybe there are some parts that you leave out of, of that day. Like you don't have to tell everybody what's going on, but you also don't have to be totally bubbly. You can just be kind.
0: The key is that you're authentic. And when you're having, as you said, having a bad day, mm-hmm. you're not going to take it out on someone, but you're being yeah. authentic. And that goes a long way because when you when you go give them when you go give them that hug, on congratulating them for something or give them a hug because they're having a bad day, it's authentic because it they know that you are full spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, you're 360 degrees, you have nuance, you have depth, you have all these dimensions of who you are. That way, when you do present it, they know that it's really coming from you, and you're as you said. You're not just doing this because you want them to buy coffee, mm-hmm. uh, but you're doing this because you built that relationship. And if you can't be honest, you can't be authentic, then you really don't have a relationship.
1: I absolutely well said. Thank you for summing that up for me. Um, that's exactly what that is. It is it is being authentic and and people can see right through that and people really appreciate it.
0: Well, just from what i witnessed at the Mercy uh, Plaza shop, people love you. They miss you. <laughs> and it is just amazing, uh, the people that came in, how they b- bubble up, uh, they greet you, of hugs and so forth. And again, mm-hmm. the pictures that you had of people's babies and so forth, it really was um, a welcome space, a welcoming space. Thank you. In which uh, people can connect. Uh, so it wasn't one of those things where it was necessarily that it was all going to be frivolity, fun and games. And there'll be times, as you mentioned, there'll be those sad moments, and that again, that bonding too. I, mm-hmm. I think you know you really bonded well with your customers. And when I always talked about your shop, people go, "Oh, does it serve you know good coffee?" I go, "To tell you the truth, I have absolutely no idea what it tastes like. I drink it, <laughs> but, but, and you know, I mean, it's not bad. Or anything, <laughs> but if you ask me like the nuance, like you know, compared to A, B, or C, I go, I go, I don't go, I don't go there for the coffee." I do not go there for the coffee. Uh, and thank you. Again, just a testimony of what you and your sister built, the legacy that you have, and going forward, the generational. You know, when I look at Billy and I just keep looking at her. I go, So what's Billy going to do five years from now? And mm-hmm. who will be Billy's Billy? And we have spoken to all three
1: of the new owners of the shops and said, You know, we're hoping that you take this opportunity and that you it on to somebody very similar and to keep this legacy going. And, you know, we don't know what happens in five or 10 years with them, um, but they have all expressed interest that that's something that they want to do. If we can have the ferrets in 30 years from now, still there with um, women business owners, I would be a happy person. Well, one... not that I don't like men business owners, but specifically
0: was <laughs> something that we, that was what we wanted to leave. Well. An outstanding legacy, and I think a, a legacy that inspires, that encourages, and it would be, a, our world be so much better if every business conducted it the way you and your sister had envisioned, and not only envisioned, but executed.
1: Thank you. Oh, that's really kind. Well, no, Thank it's, you.
0: It's the truth.
1: Well, you know, we sleep well at night, I can tell you that. <laughs>
0: well, you know, being able... Being able to sleep well and being able to when you get up in the morning to look in the mirror and say, "Okay, you you did the best you could under the circumstances the previous day. You know, if you could if you could do those two things. Yeah. Pretty, pretty decent life then. Agreed. Yeah. Well, Sabrina, thank you very much for your time. And it was good seeing you again, as I know it's been a while since we caught up, but uh, I, I knew I had to get you on as a as a guest. Because as we talk about legacy, it's one thing to talk about it. It's entirely another thing to be able to witness someone living out their legacy. And you're still continuing. So your legacy hasn't stopped. It's still going on. (laughs) And again, just truly inspirational.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, I really hope to have a cup of coffee with you at the Mercy location. I'm there occasionally. All right.
0: (laughs) I still don't know what it tastes like. All right. Thank you very much, Sabrina. Sabrina had a very powerful message in her storytelling. Her legacy as a coffee shop owner really encompasses the design principles of Adita Rams. The first is it's innovative. She never ran a coffee shop, but she was willing to learn. Something inside her says, this is what I need to do, my sister and I. The other was that it was very useful. It helped connect the members of the community and it employed people. She was not only responsible for her financial well-being, but for the people that she employed, especially during the pandemic, she was going to guarantee their wages. And it's long lasting. She was very careful in selecting the buyers. It was not going to be in terms of the price. It was going to be in terms of principle. Where they're going to carry forth what she and her sister established. Think about her her adventure, her journey as an entrepreneur. The vision. She wanted people to connect and to feel better. She wanted people who would come in and had a rough day and to leave feeling better. That was her vision, that she wanted to be a positive influence in terms of a community. The mission that she was going to do whatever it took to be the best coffee maker, uh, service, uh, whatever it took, all the elements of a coffee shop. She talked about how she had experimented experiment in terms of making the various drinks. That was the mission. She was not going to cut corners, and she was not going to stop until she was satisfied that she was going to deliver the best experience possible for her customers. Her purpose, it goes back to the name of Typhorette. Typhorette is to connect and build in a meaningful way. It's a relationship. But before giving, you have to listen. And she does that. She builds her community. She wants to help others. She wants to grow others. But before doing that, she has established uh, a very inviting space. She welcomes people in, lets them tell their story. She listens intently then she wants to provide something, whether it's an encouraging word, uh, a cup of coffee to deliver a smile, a hug, whatever it is. She wants to be there, that shoulder to cry on. She wants to be there to hear your story. In turn, she wants to help you tell a better story. A wonderful, wonderful legacy. And for the people in Sacramento who are fortunate to have met Sabrina, and who were at the t- Red coffee shops, they know what I'm talking about in terms of the experience of walking in, walking in and feeling welcome immediately and always leaving feeling better. And it's not about the coffee. It's about the people. For those of you who are, these, if these podcasts, these episodes are making you think about your vision, your mission, and your purpose and you want to formulate it better, want to have greater articulation, you are interested in exploring how to build your legacy through design, then I invite you to visit my website, that's shepherding.com, and sign up for a complimentary session on how we can work together. For those of you who want to share how you're building your legacy, to share your stories, I want to hear the stories. That's the purpose of this podcast, so that we can learn from each other, that we can grow, and that we can build better legacies. Send me your stories at rfong at truenorthshepherding.com. If you want to be a guest, if you're an entrepreneur especially, I'd love to hear the stories. By all means, please contact me and let's get you on an episode. My next episode will be talking about mentorship, which is different than leadership being a mentor is different than being a teacher or an advisor. And I get into the specifics. And this is very important because when you are seeking to, when you're seeking to have a mentor or to be a mentor, it's important to understand the context and the commitment and the responsibilities of being a mentor. Until next episode, please give your legacy the time and attention it deserves because when you do, we all benefit.